I started to watch that clip mm -hmm. and I got 46 seconds into the clip and there were not even close to an answer. <laughs> October 2nd? Yes. Happens to be our 10 year anniversary. October 2nd, 2020. 2020, yeah. And uh, it's been a long time since we've done a podcast because we've been really busy. But today, there's just too much going on. <laughs> to ignore it anymore. <laughs> to ignore it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, firstly, we are well into a second wave here in Ontario. 732 cases being reported in Ontario. Um, and Toronto reporting something in the neighborhood of 384 cases, although we're seeing different numbers, different places. <laughs> we had but said a while ago, but before Avery was starting school, we were talking and like, I wonder, yeah, like we should probably draw a line for ourselves at the point <laughs> at which it gets bad enough that we pull Avery out of school. And that yeah. number was 100 cases. 100. <laughs> and um, we hit that like the second day he was in school or something. Yeah, I think so. When we when we signed up to like, put him in in-person school, it was like 20 cases a day or something. Yeah. Things have been changing rapidly. Yeah. Um, so, of course, the big news today was that Donald Trump and his wife Melania tested positive for COVID. And that was this morning that we woke up to that news. And then by dinner time, he's been hospitalized. Though they released a video and he, d he, the video does make it seem like he's fine. Walking to the. No, he like talks to the camera and he looks like mm. he's not like huffing and puffing. He's looks, yeah, looks normal. So is it. So we'll see what happens. But that is definitely a watershed moment in this pandemic a month before, a month and one day before the U.S. election. Mm -hmm. But let's talk numbers um, because I get really crazy about how the press reports numbers mm. and I did in the last wave and I am again in this wave. The problem with the first wave was that we weren't testing enough. Mm -hmm. um, there was so many restrictions on who was able to get a test that there were just people who almost certainly had COVID that were not being counted. Yeah. Um, and I've been reading since then that COVID so-called long haulers mm -hmm. who c have been having symptoms since they were infected in March or April are having trouble getting treatment now that they didn't have the positive test result. Right. They weren't able to access testing. Yes in March. So this is like not just a public health issue, but a personal health mm -hmm. issue mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, so now we have our testing is much better. Um, uh, more people are able to access testing, although it's starting to be drowned again. We have a test backlog of 90,000 tests with absolutely dwarfs what we had in the spring and just today they changed they i think they're kind of putting the brakes on testing because they're getting overwhelmed so they're yes. going to appointment-based testing which appointment-based testing yes. and basically they're saying if you're asymptomatic you're not you don't get a test like you have to 
Yeah, I think they already took asymptomatic testing away. Oh, why? Or okay. that's what the pharmacies are supposed to be for now or something. There's a there's a con yeah, there's a there's a little chart that shows who gets to go to the pharmacy. I think if you're truly asymptomatic, like you don't if you haven't had contact with anyone, if you you still don't want you to have a test. The pharmacy is for like asymptomatic but you're a contact but you have contact, yeah. With someone that is positive then you go to the pharmacy if you're symptomatic you go to the testing centers mm -hmm. and they've removed requirements for testing i think for kids who are sick and want need to go back to school too mm -hmm. which some people are not happy with mm -hmm. anyways i don't remember what i was talking about testing right yeah. just comparing the numbers mm -hmm. so an important metric to know if you're doing enough testing is the percent of tests that come back positive. So you want it to be under 5% and even more ideal is you want it to be under 1%. So for every 100 people you test, only one of them is positive. Mm -hmm. And that means you're testing enough people, mm -hmm. you're catching a lot of the cases. Mm -hmm. And in the spring, our test positive rate at its highest was 7%. We are not doing enough testing. Mm -hmm. And now it's about 1.3% mm -hmm. and is holding pretty steady. So I think what that tells us and what we knew at the time also is mm -hmm. that in Ontario, we were having far more cases per day than the 600 and something that was being reported at the time. Like many of the other positive people weren't getting tests. Mm-hmm. Right. So instead of 600 cases a day, it was maybe like seven times that mm -hmm. or 10 times that, depending on what kind of estimate you used. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I already did this math, but I forget. 600 times seven is 4,200. 4, so we were at, at our peak in the spring for real, there was probably about 4,200 cases per day yeah. when we thought there was 600 or when they were reporting 600. Yeah. We knew there was not 600 cases a day. Yeah. So by that metric, this wave has not reached that peak yet, but we're doubling like roughly every week. And right now we're about 1,000 cases a day. I know it says seven hundred cases a day but we have a ninety thousand test backlog so assume one percent of those yeah so that's about positive. a thousand cases positive cases in that backlog yeah so right spread them over almost a week you're we're getting pretty close to a thousand cases a day and the problem is as the numbers go up the backlog grows so yeah. you're like always like it's always getting worse. Like the number yeah. of te tests that you're behind the by, it keeps getting bigger. Yeah, the percent positive in the backlog should be a little higher than the percent <laughs> positive that you have in <laughs> hand today. Right, yeah, wow. Um, so if we're doubling every week roughly, then we're gonna be where we were in the spring in like two, three, four weeks, something like that, mm -hmm. by the end of October if nothing changes and nothing is changing yeah well you can't okay that's they're an exaggeration there's pressure and i think the government is very 
they're moving incredibly slowly. Yeah. But they with are poor communication. With, p- with poor communication, not like Thanksgiving is coming up and next is it next weekend or yeah next weekend yeah mm-hmm. and no one you know someone asked I think at today's press conference yes what, what do we do like are people going to visit family or not and there were there was not a clear answer given I started question. to watch that clip mm-hmm. and I got forty six seconds into the clip and there were not even close to an answer. <laughs> And my kids were like, yeah, I had to put the phone down. So what happened was Doug Ford fielded the question and he said, "Uh, I'm going to pass that to uh, Health Minister (laughs) Elliot. But uh, I think what we're saying is you definitely don't want to have the extended family gatherings of 20 to 25 people. Uh, But I'm going to pass this to to Health Minister Elliot. Okay, so that was his answer. Yeah. Okay, we're far from having extended gatherings of 20 to 25 people. Like, you're not even supposed to be having anybody over unmasked in your house that's not in your household. And he's talking. So he's like, first of all, starts off like way off, sets the bar way off. Then Christine Elliott comes up and says, I'm going to pass this question (laughs) to whoever I don't even know who it was. I didn't recognize him. Someone who works with David Williams, I think. Uh-huh. And then he started to answer it and started by making a joke about how he looks like somebody else or something. And then that I was at 46 seconds and <laughs> I was just like, I can't <laughs> wait for this non-answer. Yeah. Well, that's as far as I got. And so a lot of people are very frustrated with today's announcements because of those kind of things. And Eileen Davila and John Tory wrote a letter asking basically for Toronto to be put on lockdown. Like they want to put, they want, they're, they're basically advising right now. They're using language like advising because I guess it needs to be a provincial order for these things to mm-hmm. actually happen. But they're asking restaurants to close. They're asking people to get rid of their bubble so that, and, and to basically stay within your household now. Like Except for essential travel except for essential travel um i don't know if they're pushing for closing schools or I not i think so. i feel like schools they're gonna keep be the last thing to close that's what we think but i i'm not sure i'm just curious what is there like what does eileen yeah. Davila really w- want right like things are yeah, i don't know if you look at this spike like i think she sees this the way epidemiologists see mm-hmm. this she's like holy crap mm-hmm this is going to be bad if we don't put try to do something well, it's true. quickly i mean we got to put the brakes on because like no matter what we do yeah this is doubling twice before we even see it before do anything change yeah. before anything is going to happen and so for sure it's going to be worse uh than the spring so i mean like would it be worth seeing schools closed for like two weeks now we'll try to bend the curve and then let's like like, let's put Toronto in a lockdown. Like, that seems like what would be reasonable right yeah, now. Yeah, maybe. But schools are... Okay, I saw this on Twitter so much today. I was getting so frustrated. Um, so, people are complaining about, like, these new restrictions and advisement restrictions. And mm-hmm. they're like, what is the point of, like, staying home when schools are open? right schools are just a disaster waiting to happen like what's the point of taking precautions anywhere else if Mm -hmm. schools are open 
And from my perspective, which is observing one school, mm-hmm. the schools are taking a lot of precautions. Mm-hmm. And every student is masked and they have cohorts. They're big cohorts, bigger than they should be, but they're still cohorted mm-hmm. and they're being isolated from other classes. Mm-hmm. Teachers are masked and shielded a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And in kindergarten, our kids' kindergarten class, like the kids are taking it so seriously. <laughs> and I asked Avery who he sat beside one day at lunch and he got so offended. He was like, we don't sit beside people <laughs> at lunch, mommy. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm sorry. Like that was the most offensive thing I could have asked him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and we haven't been seeing spread in schools. Now they haven't been open very long. They've been so open long enough that I think you would have seen it if it was going to be other, happening. In other, yeah, and well, yeah, some some places in Ontario they've been open for three weeks. It's true. Yeah, I there haven't been very many schools with multiple cases. And even the multiple cases seem like they're different classes. Like they closed a couple of schools, but from what I could read about them in the way they were described in the media, it sounded like they were like two kids in two separate classes. Right. And except for, I think one case there was a teacher and then there was one high school. I think maybe where, but it was like teachers actually within the school, but like among teachers, not Mm -hmm. even among students, but Mm -hmm. yeah. It's hard to say. So anyways, in the short time, in the two to three weeks the schools have been open, there hasn't been obvious spread within schools. There's tons of schools that have single cases. But I mean, and I'm like, let's wait another two or three weeks before we really say that schools are being run safely. But so far, if you have... Like a, v- it's a very large percentage of schools in Ontario with cases. It's like thirty percent of schools in Ottawa have a case of COVID in yeah. them, right? Thirty yeah, yeah. percent of schools, and you don't have any massive outbreaks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like something is being done right there for all yeah. that. Yeah, I actually we think can complain about. The other thing is you get elementary schools. Like it's interesting to me. I feel like just like. Avery and his class I think the younger kids just follow their teachers lead like they're not gonna be like I hate masks and like they're not Mm -hmm. they're just gonna do whatever they're told to do just that's what they do all the time right like they have yeah they follow the rules so why was I saying this because because I I don't think schools are going to be a hotbed of spreading the virus yeah, but just uh, the. But lock. I think that people are under the impression that they are. Yeah. Yeah, so they should publish the. Nu- I mean, they could publish a number of like school age children that are getting like school age yeah. children in school. That what percentage of the daily positive rate is because of that, right? Why, why don't right. we have those I numbers? I don't know, but there should be some kind of communication because I feel like people are using the schools being open to justify risky behavior elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's just a fallacy like this. You know, when people say things like, um, you know, the cancer, the rate of cancer is a certain level. And so 
like a background level, like you have some baseline level. So as long as the new risk from a new thing is the same or less than that background level, it's okay. But that can mean that the new thing is like doubling the overall risk. But then people will always say that's no worse than what we already have. I continue to really like Eileen Davila. Uh, who's Toronto's top public health official. Right, so she's fighting for Toronto she to close things. She, Yeah, she wrote an open letter uh, to Dr. David Williams, the Ontario Chief Medical Officer, and she was requesting a series of restrictions. Um, and I think she's proposing for 28 days, and it would essentially return Toronto to something closer to the lockdown that we had. She's recommending that people only leave their homes for essential activities such as work, education, exercise, health care appointments, and purchase of food. Um, yeah, she's saying that if she had the power to do this, she would have done it already, but the, I guess she and her team have tried to figure out any, you know, what they have the power to do, and, uh, and they've, d they've found that they either they need the province to enact these changes or give her the legislative authority to do it as well and it's frustrating that when Williams was asked about this he says um, he says uh, she felt she has the data to back up that restaurants and bars have been the problem our, one of our challenges is that we don't see the same thing across the province. But it just feels like, yeah, but that's okay. Just let her do it for Toronto or just mm -hmm. do it on her behalf for Toronto because that's what we need. Yep. And, yeah, in the order of what do we close first is in contention with a lot of people, yeah. mostly parents of children saying... <laughs> which includes us saying schools should be the absolute last thing to be closed because their yeah. education is a human right. Yeah. Not to mention the economic impact of parents needing to do childcare instead of work. Yeah. Yet <sighs> like kids things are being closed before bars and restaurants. Like it feels like bars and restaurants, like the Ford government wants bars and restaurants to be like the last thing closed. I have a feeling they're going to have to do it that, you know, they, I think Davila even like there's been a, s a few outbreaks in bars and restaurants. There's evidence that that's a problem. So she wants suspension of indoor dining, cancellation of group fitness classes and sport, sport activity that take place indoors. It really doesn't even sound like that much, really. Mm -hmm. I, I can't believe those things were actually open yeah. to begin with but anyways i just saw this uh -huh. tweet that said lots of tears tonight when girls hockey announced their closure but mm. bars and indoor dining still rocking in toronto at ford nation you put the children last again and we won't forget it mm. so yeah all these things to be decided and I wanted to, so we were going to do a podcast the night before Avery started school. Oh, yeah. We never did. Right. And I wanted to talk a bit about like this, how we made the decision to send the kids 
to school and the stress of that decision. I was like sick to my stomach the night before Avery started school. But as I said earlier in this podcast, I'm I'm very cool with the decision now. It's crazy how you can just rationalize things. Or just fear of the unknown, right? Like yeah. it's just we didn't know what was gonna happen with schools. Or how yeah, or how seriously they would take it. Mm-hmm. Um but the reason we feel good about Avery going to school now is because um, one is that the masking and social distancing that they're doing mm-hmm. and they're taking it very seriously at his school and they're being very transparent. You see lots of pictures on Twitter of the kids. Yeah. Like, yeah, like in their classrooms, how it's all set up and it feels pretty good. And before school started, yeah, they were transparent with class numbers and how things were going to work. I think that's not necessarily the same for every school and every school board, but yeah. in our school, it, it feels good. And the other thing is that Toronto publishes their COVID cases by postal code. And so we can look at a map and see that where we live, there aren't very many cases at all. The per 100,000, mm-hmm. um, what am I, oh man, my brain's not working tonight. The cases per 100,000 people mm-hmm. is, is very low. Mm-hmm. Um, well under the threshold that we are Mm -hmm. comfortable with and so and that's where all his friends are coming from to school is from that area Mm -hmm. so it feels like there's a low chance of COVID entering the school and then the precautions they're taking within the school feels like there wouldn't be a big outbreak if COVID were to end up there so Mm -hmm. we feel good about him going to school and he is seeming to love it, which is a mm-hmm. big change from him last year. So I'm very happy with that decision. And I feel like honestly, the masking is like not that big a deal. Like they don't, I don't think the kids are that affected. It, it doesn't no. seem like they care that much. Apropos of nothing the other day, Avery just said, you know, when I put on my mask and then it bothers me for a little bit and then I don't notice it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He just, I didn't ask him. He just (laughs) told me this. Yeah. So yeah. He doesn't mind at all. He'll just wear his mask. It's going well. Yeah. Whenever we ask him to. Now our younger son, Caden, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. Caden is three Mm -hmm. and has a neuromuscular disease and that causes him to have a trach. And he has no particular, none of the like listed complications that people need to be very careful if he has these complications of getting COVID, like Mm -hmm. heart disease, liver disease, immunocompromised. He doesn't have any of those, but he just has this very severe underlying condition that could just, it just puts him at high risk of everything Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so we need to be mindful of that. But he was enrolled in, he is enrolled in nursery school. And so we had to decide if we were going to send him. Mm-hmm. And the reasons that we sent him were different. For Avery, it was less about his education and more about the fact that we we thought he would be pretty safe there and it would be good for him. Mm-hmm. But if we had to bring him home, I I'd get over that. If school was closed and he came home, yeah. I would I would get over that. The way I thought saw it was like the numbers were low when he was starting and I felt like any days that he's there with peers, with his teachers, like he's gaining 
will be beneficial. huge beneficial. Yes. It's, it'd be hugely beneficial. And then if he's home for another few weeks after that, that's still, he'll get the benefit of yes. ever, any given day. Like For Caden though, yeah. it's different. Caden needs a lot of therapies that he lost access to and everything shut down. Caden mm. needs, prof- I need professional advice <laughs> for how to take care of Caden. Mm-hmm. for what activities to give him, for what kind of seating to put him in, mm-hmm. for what kind of exercises to do with him. Mm-hmm. Like we need that for his just basic development. And this nursery school that we have him in gives us all of that mm-hmm. at this nursery school. And 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 it could literally be life-changing mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. And so he's going, he's going and I, and I go with him every day because I need to do his specialized nursing care. So I have special permission to go into the nursery school with him and we both go every day and all the adults are masked and goggled and all the kids are not and all the kids are three and they don't know what social distancing is, (laughs) (laughs) right? So I do not feel safe, like... That does not feel as safe as Avery School. Now, mind you, the one thing that they have there is small class sizes. So at the end, when they're done, all the kids um, staggered entry, there's going to be 10 kids in his class. Right. Which is pretty small compared Mm -hmm. to the 22 or whatever in Avery's class. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So basically what we're counting on for Caden's nursery school is just that COVID doesn't come in like and just cross your fingers. And the other thing is that we can't use the postal code rationale either because we don't know, nursery schools aren't by postal code. You don't have a boundary. Mm -hmm. The kids can come from anywhere in the city. So that, that decision to me feels a lot tougher because I think Caden needs this. I need this. Mm -hmm. Um, in just one week, he's been going for five days. And so, like, I've learned so much from being there. Mm-hmm. And we've been inspired to do more at home. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, look, Kaden was enjoying this at nursery school today. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do it again at home. Like, it's just, he is going to gain so much from this. And it feels... I feel scared of COVID having him in there. Like I, Mm -hmm. it scares me. But now it's also scary because it might, we might get locked down and he might not get to go for a while. Yeah. 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 That, that's a a lot harder decision. And, and, And it's just like a roll of the dice. Like even if our city is overwhelmed by this disease, the number of, because it's, a pretty serious disease, the number of cases that it will take to overwhelm our healthcare system is actually pretty low in terms of the population of the city. Yeah. Like we're talking thousands of cases in millions of people. Mm -hmm. And so the risk of any one individual Mm -hmm. getting COVID will remain low. Mm -hmm. So to, to take Kate into nursery school, I just feel like we're just like rolling the dice. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. And that's it. And mm-hmm. just hoping. Mm-hmm. And that's all. And so I'm just going to hope. And I don't know. Maybe we'll be doing a podcast about, oh, well, now we have COVID. 
and I really hope not, but I don't, there's no, I mean, I go in there with my mask and my goggles and three-year-olds are coughing on me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think, well, I think they're not supposed to really be coughing, right? I'm sure they wouldn't go if they had symptoms. But I just mean when they're eating and they choke on their applesauce or But I think it's still like, people are probably hyper-vigilant about not sending kids when they're sick right now. Yeah, I hope so. And. I mean, we go through a screening and everything. I should have said that. Yeah. Like, I think. But that's so routine. Like, people are going to get bored of that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm nervous, but it's so good for him. Yeah. So, yeah. So, both our kids are in school. Yeah. And that's how it is. I mean, and me. I also you get to go to am school? in nursery that's school. You love school, so that's good. Um, not well. When actually, when I was in grade nine, I wanted to be like as my career. I thought I was going to work in a daycare, uh-huh. and so for job shadow day, uh-huh. I job shadowed someone who worked in a daycare. Uh-huh. And then I was like, never I'm never work. working <laughs> in a daycare. I had to go home at lunch and have a nap. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> <laughs> so much work. Mm-hmm. I think as an adult, I would probably fare better. But mm. anyways, that's an aside. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that the state of affairs? Have we covered it? Yeah, I think we're done. Do you want to do your joke? You looked up my joke. I closed my computer. Okay. But you re- you remember it? This the one you told me. Yeah, but. This is one iteration of like the same joke has been made a million times. Okay, here we go. So this is regarding Trump having COVID. So the fake breaking news is Mike Pence has been moved to Trump National Golf Course in case he needs to assume Trump's duties. (laughs) Get it? Because all Trump does is golf. Yeah. That's your joke. Ha ha. Okay. Good luck, everybody. Good luck. Good night.